Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Today is Friday. It's the 10th of May, 2019. I am in the mobile studio. So you may hear the AC going in the truck. I don't know, maybe not. I'm in a parking lot, so won't be too bad. Contact info. If you want to contact me, I've got the voicemail, 206-745-2731. Email address is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. And if you want to send an email or if you want to record your own audio, more than happy to play that stuff for you on the show. And that's where you send it to. Over on the website, which is firearmscafe.com, we have buttons for YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. If you like the show and would ever consider supporting me financially, there does just happen to be on the website a PayPal donation button. And any donations would be greatly appreciated and gratefully accepted. All right, enough of that stuff. It has been a minute since I've put out a show. There was a uh, kind of a lot of stuff going on. And last year, I tried really hard to try and get something out about once a week. And this year, it just it, it seems like it has just rocketed by, and I haven't been able to keep that schedule like I wanted. If you just kind of like me and like some of the content that I do, I also have The Armed Ape, and I, did, I have been putting some stuff out uh, there as well. So in, in my mind, I'm kind of putting out a little, maybe a little bit more stuff, and if you don't listen to the other show... You know, it's been, a, again, it's been a minute. So anyway, I generally don't talk about too much personal stuff, but I thought this had some relevance. So one of the reasons why I didn't put uh, some shows out was because I did go back uh, to where my dad lives and spent some time with him. He is 98 years old and he is living in a retirement community. And when he first moved in there about, oh, 12, 13 years ago, I guess now, he had a, a townhome. And, oh, I guess it was a couple of years or so ago, I went out to see him. And he was telling me, oh, they're going to make me move into the assisted living thing. And so luckily, the timing actually worked out quite well. So I was able to help him move from his townhome thing into the assisted living and he at first kind of fought it a little bit but now that he's been there for a while I think it's uh, he I think he likes it and I think it's probably the best thing for him so why am I kind of telling you all guys all this stuff and uh, what relevance does it have so he he didn't go from one, oh, I, I guess we would term it maybe community or facility. Um, the place where he lives is it's actually a great big place. And they have townhomes and they have apartments and they have, uh, which would be, you would consider that independent living. And then they have the assisted living and then it goes into, if you ever required it, they also have kind of a nursing thing. They also have a memory care, which a lot of these 
retirement places that especially if you're going into them most of the time when you go into them you're you're kind of reaching a point in your life when you're you're saying well I need to do some hard thinking about what I'm capable of what things are kind of going to maybe get beyond me that type of thing and for him, when he first moved in there, you know, of course, he didn't have to worry about yard work or anything like that. And even in the townhomes and in the apartments, if you want, you don't have to, but if you want, you can have maid service. Of course, all this stuff costs money. Uh, but in, anyway, in a lot of these places, they are pretty big complexes. In fact, oddly enough, where I'm recording from, I'm looking across and I'm I, right across the road from me is... A, uh, a senior living place and these things are they're actually pretty nice they're a far cry from the old nursing homes or the old folks homes they used to call them so a lot of these places have again independent and then they'll have maybe assisted living where they can help you with medications and things like that or if you've had a couple of falls but anyway the whole thing comes down to at a certain point you start saying well do I want to have to take care of everything do I want to have to make all my meals, be responsible for all that stuff. Or if I move into this place from my house, I don't have to worry about yard work. I don't have to worry about if the plumbing goes. I don't have to worry about anything. If something breaks, I just pick up the phone. They come down and they fix it. Now, these places are a little bit more expensive than a regular apartment, but they're they're kind of like, uh, think of it almost as like as a all-inclusive resort or like a cruise ship when you go on. So all your meals, all your stuff... You know, you get like three meals a day. Uh, a lot of times, depending on what program you're on or what level you're at, you can get maid service, all that kind of stuff. They can, they'll do your laundry for you, all that kind of jazz. Anyway, again, you are though, and the reason I'm bringing this stuff up is you are though giving up a certain level of independence when you go into a place like this. For me to live in a place like that now, at my age, it just wouldn't work. But who knows 30 years from now if that may be something that I want to do. And uh, my wife and I may want to say, oh, you know what? We just want to go in. We want to have our nice apartment. We don't want to have to worry about anything. And you go forward from there. So again, I'm finally going to get to the point here. One of the things that almost all of these places have in common, or I guess I should say one of maybe the stipulations or one of the rules and uh, especially if you are in the apartments or in the assisted living, is you are not allowed to have uh, firearms. They're, they're not allowed on the premises. And I think I told you guys before, a long time ago, had talked about my father-in-law had a uh, bout with dementia uh, before, he, before he passed away. And the, the place that we eventually were able to get him in, which was a, a memory care place, uh, and it was quite nice, and they did quite well. And, and uh, in some ways, I guess you could say, fortunately, he was only there for a couple of, uh, maybe about a month, month and a half, if I remember right, before he passed away. But having him go there made it much easier on my mother-in-law and made it um, sort of the transition, uh, and especially with the level of dementia that he was experiencing, it made life just easier for her and uh, 
I think, took away some of the stress that she was going through. But anyway, that place also had the same rule. There were no firearms allowed. Now, that place was primarily a memory care and an assisted living. So basically, if you were going to that place, you're kind of having some issues. There are some, you know, maybe mental issues. And we've talked about before, I did a show a long time ago where I was asking the question of what happens if you or a loved one, so let's say maybe it's your father or your, or your uncle or uh, an older cousin, and maybe they have been a lifelong shooting enthusiast and a firearms owner, but now they are getting into the early stages of uh, Alzheimer's or dementia and when you talk to them, they are repeating stuff. You know, they can't lay down short-term memory. They can remember older stuff, uh, but when you have a conversation with them, they repeat the same thing over and over again. And with my father-in-law and to some extent with my, with my dad, he is getting... Uh, the, uh, toward the end, my uh, father-in-law would tell you something about two, three minutes later would tell you something again. And in his mind, he had never told you that before. He had never brought that point up before. And it's getting that same way with my dad. Now, when a lot of times when you're with somebody, if you're just having lunch or dinner with them, and if you're talking about different things, maybe they repeat something maybe two or three times in that hour or something. You're like, ah, you know, they just kind of, they're getting a little forgetful. But, you know, the conversation was able to, to carry on for quite a while. But when you're with that person, for you know 10 to 12 hours a day you really see kind of what's happening to them uh, on uh, on the mental playing field so to speak and one of the things that happened with my father-in-law and this was kind of in the early stages of it but he was just going to drive the car around the block the the battery had gotten low so he was going to drive the car around the block a couple of times just to kind of give it a little bit of juice he was gone for eight hours and then when he eventually he came back, but he had no recollection of where he was. Uh, again, he at that point, he was probably operating on maybe a five or a 10 minute window of being able to keep information. So if you have a person and they are going through stuff like that, what, what do you do if they have firearms? Because at some point, you may have to broach the subject. Well, we need to move them over to uh, to, to my. Let's say you know, if, if it was me talking, say, oh, we you know, we may need to take these uh, guns and we need to move them over to my house. I'll put them in my gun safe. If he ever wants to go out shooting, I'll go with him. You know that type of thing. Uh, but when the mind is starting to kind of go or you cannot have uh, or, or you're not laying down memories things like that who knows I, again if all of a sudden the idea pops into their head oh I need to go outside and put my my guns outside because they're going to be picked up by uh, by the gun store they're going to clean them and they're going to bring them back well there's you know that's no such thing but if that is the idea that pops into that person's head, and again, this is an extreme example, but having gone through this a couple of times, 
you see that when the mind kind of goes a little bit, that you can have certain ideas and thoughts that would probably seem logical to you, but to somebody else wouldn't be. And getting back to the assisted living thing, let's say, though, that that you are of sort of sound mind and sound body, but you're like, you know what, I just, I, I'm tired of having the house, I don't want it, I'll just go into this assisted living area, or not assisted living, but I'll go into this retirement community, and, you know, the, uh, and I'll just sort of end out my days here, type thing for lack of a better term. But again, most of those places say no firearms allowed. Now I am sure, I'm almost 100% positive, that uh, where my dad lives, I am sure that there are some people that, especially living in the townhome areas, because remember I said there's townhomes and there are apartments and then there are the, the assisted living and, and going up from there. I'm sure there are people in the apartments and I'm sure there are people that are in the townhomes for sure that have firearms. And maybe they keep them in their house, maybe they keep them in their car, you know, if, if they're afraid, oh, I don't want somebody to know, but I'm sure that there are. But it does sort of raise the question that if you decide to go there and if they have a no firearms policy, do you go somewhere else? Do you just sort of take them in anyway? If you're living in a townhome where the people, the staff members really aren't coming into your house unless you invite them in, and it would be, I guess, the same with the apartment. Although, like any apartment that you rent, the landlord, as long as they give you some, some notice, can come in. And I think it's the same way in the, uh, in the um, retirement community thing. And in fact, my mother-in-law lives in the retirement community because she decided after uh, my father-in-law passed that she just you know, the house was too much to take care of, all this kind of stuff. And so she uh, did go that route. And again, nice place. Lots of stuff for them to do, lots of activities, things are lined out. So if you want to do stuff, you can. But I, that's something that I've kind of wrestled with of if it got to the point where I was thinking, oh, you know what, I, I think I'm going to go live in a place like that. But if they say no guns, depending on where I live, would I still want to have a handgun? Would I, you know, I probably at that point, I don't, you know, it would be easy to conceal a handgun inside the apartment and you know, even in like a piece of, of, of furniture that you would bring in that's one of these like tactical tactical hidden furnishings things you know like tactical walls has so you could probably do something like that and you again it may be a thing where you don't necessarily have a choice maybe mentally you're still there but physically you need help and you have to go there you know, do you have a plan for that? Do you have a plan for not disposing of, but distributing, I guess is maybe a better word, of the guns that you have? I talked about before, at least I think I did, that I had a bunch of guns and I was trying to sort of, oh, maybe kind of weed some of them out or get rid of some of them that I just don't use and maybe put that money towards getting something else. I used to be a little bit more precious with the guns and thinking, oh, I should always keep them and this, that, and the other thing. But now I've gotten to the point where it's just like, eh, if I want something else, I, it makes more sense for me to just sell a couple of things that I got and buy something. And if I have that and use it for a while and it's fun, then uh, once it, it's kind of run its course with me, I'll just sell it uh, and, and get something else. So, and especially as I'm getting older, I find that I am a little bit more 
less sentimental about that stuff. It's funny, I don't buy into the scenarios as much of, oh, you know, you better have three or four ARs and you better have this, you better have that. And it's different from talking about things like, well, if you live in a state where there's private sales, should you have, should you buy a gun or two that there is no record of you purchasing those things so that you have, you don't have any governmental record of the purchase of your firearm. Again, it's not illegal. It's not immoral. It's not unethical. Perfectly fine to do that. I know in places, I think Georgia has private sales. I I know Arizona does for sure. I think, I'm sure there's a bunch of other states that do. And again, it's kind of food for thought. Uh, But anyway, kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent there. One of the things that happened or that's been going on and we've seen some cases are coming up is some of this red flag law stuff. And we're seeing that in the worst cases, people are, I I thought there was a case and I, again, I'm sitting in the truck, so I don't have access to uh, the internet right now, but I thought there was a case where there had been a, a, a red flag report and they came in to take the guns and the guy ended up getting killed. The police ended up killing him. And we've talked about before, and I've mentioned it on numerous occasions, and I think it's always something that I probably will always harp on as long as I'm doing the show at, at different points. But that is, we don't ever want to give up due process. It's, it's one of the cornerstones of our legal society, I guess, if you, if you, if you would say that. I know sometimes some of the people that are more, uh, that are my libertarian friends or that are more uh, ANCAP people would say, oh, you don't need the government at all. There should be none of this, none of that. But the reality of what we're dealing with is there is a system in place and that system can and will basically deprive you of your freedom, take your rights away, kind of on a whim. We have several laws where there are uh, no victims involved. We have... Uh, again, I, and I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent, but we have, you know, if we look at guys like Lysander Spooner and things of basically saying vices aren't crimes, but the bigger thing is, is something a crime if there's no victim? And I don't, I don't really believe that there is. There may be something where you could say, well, could the state ever be the victim? And I don't necessarily know that I buy into that. Some people would maybe make the argument and say, well, if there's a national park or a state park and somebody goes in and burns down a building there or chops down a bunch of the trees or, you know, does something like that, even though those are not owned by an individual, you would say maybe the state could be a victim in that property was destroyed. But anyway, let's, let's kind of get back to kind of the red flag laws and the due process stuff. With the red flag stuff, on the surface, and especially if you're kind of not in gun world, on the surface, it would appear to be like, oh, that's a pretty good deal. You know, if if we see somebody, if there's this kid who's posting on Facebook all the time that he's going to come to the school and he's going to get his dad's guns or get his uncle's guns or something like that, and he's going to shoot school up, then we want the police to be able to intervene. We want them to be able to come in and um, at least make sure that maybe the guns are secured. And you could see on a certain point 
like how that would happen. And so you could see and how that might be, again, an intellectual theory, you could say, well, that kind of sounds like a good idea. But when you look at the actual practice and you look at how it's actually going to get used and you look at who they are allowing to report, it can be teachers, it can be coworkers, it can be, you know, pretty much anybody. Maybe it is your ex-wife who has a grudge against you. And she said that, you know, you had talked about you were mad at the school and you had talked about you're going to go kill some teachers or something like that. Or you're going to go, uh, you know, you, you hate whatever ethnic group that you're not a part of or whatever it's going to be. And the idea that they can just come in, they being the police or the state, however you want to say it, can just sort of come in and they just take your stuff. You don't get to really face an accuser. You do, there's no due process. Basically, they are finding you guilty of future crime. And I don't know if we're going to go down that road. I don't know how you come back from it. I don't know how it doesn't sort of snowball into something bigger. I don't know if once it becomes sort of common knowledge. And that's another thing. Would... Let's say if your neighbor who is anti-gun finds out that you have guns and that person just doesn't doesn't really dislike you but just hates guns and doesn't and and the idea of guns being next door to him or her scares him and he doesn't like that and he thinks that you shouldn't have guns and in fact he's had a conversation with with you you know you maybe you let slip that you went hunting or went shooting or something like that and he's like well, I don't think you should have guns and I don't like that and what happens if say, you know, uh, somebody breaks in and, and then they come up and they shoot at my house and they've got your guns and I think you should get rid of them. And, but then they figure out, they find out, oh, I can report this guy. And I can say, well, you know, I can't really pinpoint anything, but he's been acting kind of squirrely and, you know, he made some comments about, uh, you know, sometimes we need to take the law into our own hands and, and uh, I'm afraid that, you know, he's maybe having a little bit of a beef with a neighbor down the street and not with me, but, you know, with the neighbor down the street. And I've, I've kind of heard some rumors and I'm afraid he might go shoot that guy. And, and then the police come and they take your guns. Well, what recourse do you have? None, really. So anyway, it is about time where I've got to go. I would love to hear from you guys and hear sort of what you think on the red flag laws. I'd also like to hear from you on what would you do if you needed to move into a place where they said there's no guns? And maybe you don't necessarily have a choice. I know some people would say, well, I just wouldn't go there. But what would you do? Uh, do you have any kind of plans in place? Um, you know, maybe something medically happens to you. Uh, is there something where your spouse would know maybe the value of your firearms how and how you if something happened to you how you would want those things either distributed or disposed of that type of deal so anyway i think well actually you know what i've got a few more minutes let me run through it real quick here and then we'll draw the show to a close so as you guys know i live in arizona and arizona is generally considered to be one of the better pro-gun states Recently, our legislation, legislative session, there we go, came to a close and about the only thing we got really gun-wise that went through, and it really wasn't gun-wise, it was more kind of getting rid of an oddball law, which I think we've got it. It looks like it's going to go through. 
there was a thing. Arizona was one of maybe three or four states that banned nunchucks. Uh, and again, this rose out of the 70s and 80s and some hysteria about about that type of stuff. And, oh, these things need to be banned. You know, gang members are using them and they're, you know, smashing people's heads clean off their shoulders, that type of stuff with it. So anyway, Arizona, oddly enough, was one of the states where those things were banned. And supposedly what's going to happen is those things are going to be unbanned, made legal, whatever you want to call it. And that was about the only kind of pro thing that we got. And again, it does help. Any Anything that we get, some people will say, oh, that's ridiculous. Why is that a big deal? Why does anybody care? Again, the law was so vaguely written that in theory, if you had a jump rope in your car, that that would, could be considered nunchucks if, they, if the police or whatever wanted to throw that extra charge on you. So, but anyway, going back to anything where we get any little piece of freedom back is good. Anything where a little bit of regulation is pushed back from us again, is a good thing. Now, unfortunately, one of the things that I thought really, I really thought was going to pass, and it didn't, and I'll tell you why here in a second. The way that the law works now is if you have a firearm in your vehicle or on your person and you drive on to school to drop your kid off or to pick your kid up, even if you leave your gun in the car, before you get on school property, that gun is supposed to be unloaded. So basically what that does is it creates, if you're following the law, if you know about the law, most people I'm sure don't, but if you know about that law and you follow it or do your best to follow it, you have to stop prior to going on to school, unload the firearm, and then once you get off school property, reload the firearm. If you've got a firearm, it doesn't do you much good if it's unloaded. Most people I'm sure aren't even aware. Most people just drive on and and drop their kid off or pick their kid up and drive off and nothing ever happens. Again, it was one of these nonsense laws to where, oh, there's going to be blood in the street and people are going to be having shootouts on school parking lots. It just doesn't happen. So anyway, it looked like this thing was going to pass and I thought for sure it was going to pass. Now, there were still other stipulations like if you you could have it loaded, it either had to be on your person or in a locked thing in the car. Um, if you got out of the car while you're on school property, you had to secure the firearm it couldn't be visible so you couldn't just you know i don't know why you'd ever do it but you couldn't like put it up on the dash or put it on a seat uh, you had to take care of it kind of that way which I, you know i'm in favor of that's fine but we kind of lacked the thing by about two votes and the two people that did not vote for it were actual republicans and they sided with the democrats who were who were uh, voting against it and again, this, this would have given a little bit more freedom back to the people. It would have done the repeal of having an unloaded gun and so you could drive onto the school with a loaded firearm. It would have done nothing. I mean, uh, you know, there's, people are already doing it anyway. I can guarantee you that. Some out of ignorance, some out of just sort of saying, well, this is just my form of civil disobedience. There's no victim here. There's no danger, that type of thing. But these two Republicans, and they both, you know, this go-around turned out to be female. And I haven't really looked. I did, I did shoot them off uh, some emails shortly after I heard about it, saying I was disappointed with them and that I wouldn't vote for them. They're not in my district, but they don't know where I'm from. So I don't know. You know, a lot of times we think that, especially when you live in certain states, you think, oh, our legislature is pretty locked up and I don't really have to worry about too much stuff. And again, there were tons and tons of letters that were sent, tons of emails that were sent. Uh, 
and these two people decided now even though this law you know by by taking off this one stipulation would make zero difference we're not going to do it and again i think it's they're going to they're going to spout stuff when it comes time for re-election that to try and maybe widen their base a little bit that oh you know I, I was in favor of these common sense gun things and you know they wanted to be able to bring loaded guns on campus and i said no and but the reality is everything is so fractured and everything is so divided now that you're not really going to people aren't going to look at stuff like that so anyway i was very very disappointed if i remember well i probably won't i'll probably forget i was going to say i'll put their names in the show notes but i probably won't forget i mean i probably won't remember I'm trying to think if there's anything else going on. You know, I may have on my phone, I may have the email. Let me see if I got it here. All right. So the person that we had was, so the persons, there was two. There was Senator Kate Brophy McGee and there was Senator Helen, or excuse me, Heather Carter. And uh, I'll read a little bit of the email that I got. Uh, when this legislative update came through. It said, we thank everyone who contacted... Oh, and this is from Arizona Citizens Defense League, which is a fantastic organization, by the way. So anyway, they said, we thank everyone who contacted their senators about House Bill 2693, which would have removed the requirement that a firearm is unloaded when carried in a vehicle by an adult on school grounds. On April 11th, 2693 passed out of the Senate Committee of the Whole. During subsequent Senate third read vote, it failed to garner the required 16 votes necessary to pass because of Republican Senators Kate Brophy McGee and Heather Carter. They joined the Democrats in voting against this bill. And then, as you know, if you'd like to contact them, blah, 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 they give their information and telephone numbers, which, hey, I'll give it out for you. Uh, Brophy Mc- Kate McGee is 602 to, or excuse me, let's start over there again. Kate Brophy McGee, 602-926-4486. And Heather Carter, 602-926-5503. Uh, you know, if you ever, if you do live in Arizona and you're listening to this, go ahead and, and shoot them a, uh, call them up and, uh, let them know that you're disappointed in, in what they decided to do. I don't know if it'll have that much of an effect. It may when it comes time for re-election. All right, guys, I got to head out. So if you want to contact me, area code uh, for the voicemail, area code 206-745-2731. Email address, firearmscafe at protonmail. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All right, I will talk to you guys next time.